What were your reasons for coming to the U.S. exactly? Well, I just, what I said in the beginning, you know, I, I was a young guy. I got no jobs, you know. So you knew America to be a place where... And I heard, I heard, you know, I heard that if you come to the United States working on the farm, you can have a better life. And that's what I did. I find out how to come to the United States to work on the farm. They sent me the ticket. They sent me everything. And Gleiman. And then I came to work in the farm in Glassboro. Oh, Glassboro. Okay. Yeah. But really, really, when I came to Glassboro to work, <laughs> I said that I don't really want to work in there because I hate to pick tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound very fun. No, it's true. In the sun. They all send day. me. How much did you get paid? I don't, even, I don't even know. Maybe about six or seven dollars an hour, I guess. I don't know. Dang, that's a lot. For what or, or maybe years? less than that. I don't, well, I, don't even, I don't even remember. I came here in 1974. Hmm. Yeah. That's a pretty high minimum wage. And, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. Maybe It can't be. It can't have to be like yeah. not for a I don't know. They, I, I remember that they just, maybe three dollars a day. They just give me a yellow envelope with some money, and I was so happy. For me, it was a lot of money because I never had that kind of money, you know. Yeah. I, I thought that they was pay me a hundred dollars an hour because for me that money was too much. What about blueberries? Did you pick blueberries? They sent me to pick tomato, pick tomato, and soon I start to pick tomato and I start to grabbing those tomatoes. My finger was all the way to the rotting tomatoes, and I said, "Man, this is not for me." And then they sent me, they, they sent me to pick some peppers. And that was the same thing. I was picking pepper and I was, you know, I was a young guy. And, and I said, no, I'm not going to work in pepper. They're going to send me to pick <laughs> uh, peaches. Oh, God. When I went to pick peaches, you know, but, you know, the peaches got like a little hair or something. They go in your clothes and make you peach. Yeah. And I said, I'm sorry, I can work here. And then I left. So, Bye. like, overall, would you say your experience with arriving in America and having a job when you got here to be good or bad? Mm -hmm. do, you, do you think your experience of arriving in America, like getting your job to start you off, was a good experience or a bad one? Well, I was expecting it was something different than pig tomatoes, stuff like that, you know what I mean? Like something away from a farm job? Yeah. So like what kind of job did you expect is not a farm job? Well, like a funny job in construction. Okay. Because I know a little bit about construction, about something, you know? Or washing dishes in some place because I got experience in the dishwasher. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that sounds good. But when they sent me to the farm, you know what I mean, with this 90 degrees or almost 100 degrees, you know what I mean? I know Puerto Rico is hot. I know that, but in here it looks like the heat is double. <laughs> and Puerto Rico is a tropical island anyway. So, you know, from where you find a little bit of breeze that make you feel a little comfortable. But in here, when the, when the sun heats you, you need a real air condition to keep you cooler or whatever. Um, where were you living while you worked on the farm? I was living in the farm, in one of the houses. Okay. Yeah. Um, would you agree or disagree that you have been welcomed by Americans since you arrived in the United States? I disagree. Why? Elaborate, please. Disagree with What's my question again? Would you disagree or agree that you have been welcomed by the United States? Well, I disagree that I was working because 
always, wherever you go, you're going to find people. They're going to look you different, want to talk to you different, especially if you don't know that language and you go to some place to ask for something that you can spell it the right way. They're going to look at you like, man, you know what I mean? With, with no, no patience with you. No, like, you know, they're they looking at you like, a, I don't know. You don't matter. Yeah, like you, like you don't care. And then people sometimes try to, to make you follow you or try to use you like a bully you or something like that. And that makes you feel very comfortable. Okay. That's why I never do that to people because I know how, how it feels. Yeah. So it sounds like you had faced some prejudice in America. Um, <clears throat> Um, would you agree or disagree that Americans have a preconceived notion about immigrants or migrants? Yes. What do you think, Mom? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. What kind of preconceived notions? Let me put it this way. Look, like example, you know what I mean? I live in Camden, New Jersey, North Camden. It's a place with got a bad reputation. Sometimes when you're going to look for a job and you put your, doctor, your address, people start to say, hmm, this guy is for North Camden. No matter how good you are, no matter what kind of person you are, they always going to have that in your jacket from where you come from, you know? And they prefer giving the job to somebody else that maybe live in the suburb that you live mm-hmm. over there in, in, the, in, the, in the ghetto. Exactly. And that's the way it is, and nobody can cover up because, well, people can cover all at one, but it's right there. Exactly. So why do you think people have that mentality of viewing, like, having ideas already formed in their head about migrants or immigrants? Because they think they're superior than anybody else. You know what I mean? Okay. They're better than anybody else. two children. He was friends with my sister's boyfriend. They were best friends. And after I divorced my husband, through my sister and her boyfriend, I became acquainted with him. And we became very attached to each other. Until now. And eventually... I moved in with him, with my two children, after a few years of knowing him. And we lived together for five years, and then we got married. And we've been together for over 40 years. And I grow this little kid like my own child. Perfect. Okay. Um, what was your first reaction of him? Like, your first, like, impression, like... Oh, I thought he was the sexiest person I'd ever seen in my life. He was so gorgeous. I I mean, it was just something magnetic. It was like the forces of the earth pulled me. I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, on the more um, serious note, uh, what memories do you have of watching him adjust to the changes of him um, being in America? 
Well, when I met him, he was, I think, about mm, in his late 20s. And um, as far as adjusting, I could see that through the life he had had before I had met him and began to know him, that he saw the world in one way. And it wasn't like, say, for instance, normal things as far as, like, you know, Find a job. Right, the ways, the ways of... A struggler. Right, like the ways of simple things of doing things. Like he wasn't clear upon the details. Like he just wasn't clear on details. And I think that that's where he kind of like lost a lot. Because even though he knew what he had to do, there were details involved in the process of trying to make your life better. Like filling out applications. He didn't fill out the whole application because... Uh -huh. There were things he couldn't understand in English, things like that. So you're saying that one of the biggest challenges he faced was in coming to America was the um, language. Yeah, the little things that help you get adjusted. Right. Like inter daily interaction. Everyday details. Things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what would you say um, was the biggest reward of him coming here to America? Well, the fact that you know, through the course of our lifetime together, you know, he he had a wonderful job, he was paid very good money, and, you know, re now receives a very good pension from that job, and, you know, he was able to pick himself up and uh, progress as he grew older, and now that he's almost 70 years old, you know, I think that considering where we both came from, we did pretty good. Oh, you Bob? We're not rich, but... I think it might be a reward is what I said before. Uh, I think I, I thank God because he gave me a good wife to help me out all the way. And that's what makes our relationship strong because we help each other. And you know? my granddaughter. And my granddaughter, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, we, we, we take everything serious. You know what I mean? We don't play around. And it's not just people that are migrating. You can come from a different part of the United States and mm -hmm. still have feel the prejudice of coming from a different part of the United States. Mm -hmm. Because sure. even though I was born in Virginia, I grew up in West Virginia, I was bounced back and forth between these two states. So when you come to the North and you tell somebody that you're from the South, you're looked at like, you know, you're uneducated. You know, everybody down south has had sex with their brothers and their sisters, and this all time has meant all kinds of mental retardation. And incest? Yes, incest, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's these preconceived notions of what your skin color is, of where you come from, what you look like, where you're capable of, and what you're capable of. I mean, you, I mean, you could be a doctor, a lawyer, or... You, you could be, uh, you know, a, a, a millionaire, and, and nobody's going to know it because they prejudge you. That prejudice people have, they are very poor in judgment of other people. <clears throat> That's true. So kind of elaborating on that, um, what is your perspective on uh, discrimination against migrants or immigrants, especially like in the media, to what we see on the news or newspapers or social media, 
Because I know you guys watch World News tonight every night. So, like, what kind of things do you see that you think are just... Well, I think I, as far as safety is concerned, mm -hmm. because there are people coming through that are very dangerous criminals, and I think that the United States should come up with some type of a system to check these people out immediately. Mm -hmm. I mean, immediately, no questions asked, and refuse them into the country. But so there are other people. There are other people that are quite obviously not, uh, you know, criminals like children. Who exactly, that should be entered into the country. I mean, what 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 was done to these children being separated from their parents was one of the most horrible things that I think that the United States has ever done to anybody. And you know, it just happened and it passed over, and nobody's going to do anything about it. Nothing's going to ever be done about it. Have you ever got any backlash for being with Pop because he's from Absolutely, absolutely, because his skin is black, my skin is white, and the very interesting thing about that is that in our younger years, and sometimes even now, if we would go into a restaurant or we would go into a store, they would walk up to me and they would be just as kind as they could be not realizing that the two of us came in together and then the tone of voice would change or the attitude would change when they walked over to him. But when they found out that we were together, it was a totally different ballgame. <clears throat> a little deep, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I mean, people that. will not accept the fact that prejudice is alive and kicking a very big, fat, healthy baby until it happens to them. Prejudice never dies. No, it's never it going never to die. die. It's it racism is never going uh -huh. to die. It's never going to die. It's hidden. It's like a virus, uh -huh. an undertone virus that only pokes out its ugly head when it gets exposed. And, and we can see that on TV every day. Every day. Like example, I know there's going to be a little bit uncomfortable for people to view this, but like example, you see in the news how the police treat black people and Spanish people different than other kind of people. Right. You know what I mean? They stop you for no reason. They want to shoot you if you move. No, just because your color or your, nation, your nationality or, or whatever, you know what I mean? And that's the mentality of these people that they think that they are superior than in America. But you know, sometimes I think it to myself, they do that because they're scared. I mean, they wear uniform only to, I, don't, I don't know for what, because they're scared. scared. Of people being different? No, they're scared of the, they're, they, they're the scared. cops are scared of the people. That's no matter people going to, they don't want to do nothing to exactly. the people. The police for no reason start to get their gun and start to shoot people. And why you shooting? Oh, because my life was in danger. In danger of what? Now it's being psycho psychologically reversed. Now the people who are getting stopped, the, the, the Afro African American people and the Spanish people or the Latino people that are getting stopped by the police are so afraid of the police that they panic. They panic. They don't know what to do. They're so afraid they're going to be murdered or shot. Mm -hmm. And that happened. Yes. That so happened all the time. Every day that happened. What if I told you that kids as young as eight years old from Central American countries like Nicaragua, Guatemala, um, El Salvador. Speak like that. People can't hear you there. And El Salvador. The three, one of the three <clears throat> main countries in Central America where there's like crime and poverty and 
violence and gang exploitation and things like that, what would you say if I told you that kids as young as eight years old are smuggled into either cargo containers, trucks, whatever type space they can fit in to be smuggled into America, and the routes they travel on are controlled by the cartel, Uh and there's chances for them to be robbed, raped, kidnapped, held for ransom. Who's sending them? Their parents? Kidnap them. Yeah, that's true. In, in Nicaragua, in those places. Yeah, that's true. And then they got somebody to bring yeah. to the United States, and they they sell these people right. here, and not just not just for work. Sometimes they sell these little kids for the organs. Yeah, yeah. human trafficking. Really? Oh, and they take the little kids and take the organs of the little kids and sell it to somebody of the need. That's the way the game played. Do you think that was such a strong opinion on keeping immigrants as far away away from the border? Do you think that? Um, was going to say that something that these kids are going through, like the process they're taking to get here, you know, like all the stuff I was saying about, you know, traveling with the cartel, trying to be smuggled in here. Well, just for a better life, do you think that um, the U.S. government or Americans should consider that before they're like, oh, no, you, you can't come in? You know exactly. Exactly. I believe, I believe that they have to take that in consideration, you know what I mean? And take care of these kids, help these kids, you know what I mean? Because a lot of these kids, is what I said before, they don't come over here because they want to. Sometimes they kidnap it from the family. Yeah, but you got to look at it like this. The United States doesn't even want to help the poor children that are in the United States. That's true. Yeah, you know that's what I mean? True. They ain't really going to be too interested in helping uh, yeah. the, uh, immigrant children, you know what I'm saying? That's, yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, we got starving kids right here in the United States. Yeah. Right here. And they really starving. take care about their own. They won't be. Pisses me off. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Any final thoughts on the topic of um, migration or immigrants or? Part to the people. Power to the people. Someday, someday, I don't know when. Immigrant people, if they stop, really, if they send the immigrant people out of the United States, the United States go down, collapse. Mm -hmm. Because immigrant is the one that keeps this nation running. You know what I mean? Facts. They're the workers. That's the working. Absolutely. These Mexican people, maybe 30% of them. They could only have just to work for the family. I don't think that they have to. Uh, they don't deserve to be treated with it. You know what I mean? And I don't say that because I didn't make myself, I say that because I see. The way they treat these people. Because you've been treated like that yourself. Yeah, the human being too, you know, they just wanna they just wanna progress, they wanna, you know, go forward. You know what I mean? Working for their family, that's the only thing they yeah. need to be the chain of their life. For some people the American dream is an absolute nightmare. <laughs> True. For some people. What else? <laughs> that's all actually um that was actually, this is actually really good. Um, 
Thank well, you. I, I hope that, you know, and just that. remember, whoever's going to listen to this, that this is our own personal opinion. opinions from our mm -hmm. own personal experiences. Yeah. For sure. We're not prejudiced. No. We're not saying anything against one other race. We're just telling you, like, through our, like, like I said, yeah. I'm going to be, I'm 63. He's almost 70. I mean, a lot of stuff has happened in our lives. Yeah. A lot of stuff has happened, and we've seen it. We've seen it. I mean, you can hide it all you want to hide it, but it's there. It's alive, and it's 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 very healthy. Yeah. It's kicking, and now it seems to be kicking even more so. After interviewing my grandparents, I came to the conclusion that the discrimination, alienation, and challenges immigrants and migrants face really anyone outside of what looks American, is in need of attention and rescue, now more than ever. Gathering these accounts for my grandparents exemplifies how there is always a possibility that our loved ones and our close associates are the people fighting the system of ignorance. I hope this podcast leaves listeners with something to think about, because the future of migrants and immigrants is in your hands and in our voices.